Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Today what I thought we would do was a little bit something different. And what I want to share with you is, first of all, I want to review, before I get into spending a little bit of time with Brother Eldon, uh, the first thing I want to do is just share with you what our theme is, our D6 family theme of the week is. And the theme of the week is justified by faith. And I want us to understand that. And everyone should have your Fusion, D6 Fusion magazine, devotional magazine. If you do not have this, email the church office, call into the office, let us know. We will be sure to get these in your hands. But this is what we're collectively doing as families, as individuals, as small groups. Um, it's, it's part of our discipleship tool that we're using to keep us all on the same page a little bit with what we're learning from the little kids all the way up through... And this week, our D6 theme is simply justified by faith. And our goal this week is to live in Christ because you are justified. Now, here's the problem. Folks don't know how to live in Christ because they don't really know what the word justification means. But that's our theme for the week is that we are justified not by our faith or by our works, not by our church membership, not by our baptism, not by taking communion, not by turning over a new leaf and trying to be a better person. We are justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, plus and minus nothing. Okay? Now, a lot of folks struggle with justification because they simply don't know what it is. And so they ask the question what is justification? It's a big theological term, but what does it really mean? Well, here's the simplified version. I like to put the cookies on the bottom shelf where everybody can reach them. So whenever you see the word justified in Scripture, whenever you hear about justification, here's what I want you to understand. When God looks over the portals of heaven and he sees you in Christ Jesus, he then declares that you are justified which simply means he's looking at you just as if you have never sinned. So who's the very first one who can raise their hand and say, I have never sinned? Right? That's a trick question. Don't raise your hand, right? None of us could raise our hand there. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So how can I be declared righteous? How can I stand in the presence of a holy God? How can I come boldly into the throne room of grace as Scripture teaches us? How can I do that? The only way we can is when God declares that because of our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, He declares that we are now justified. We can stand in His presence just as if we have never Sin. So that's what we're going to be unpacking this week, and that's what we are going to be studying this week. Matter of fact, I want you to look in Romans chapter 5 real quickly. Eldon, I've got to preach just a little bit, okay? And I'll, then I'm going to get back to Eldon. 
I want you to look real quickly, and I'm not going to be but a moment here, and then I want to spend the rest of our time celebrating Eldon's 80th birthday. But in Romans chapter 5, I want you to look at that passage of Scripture, and look what it says. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous, justified, okay, Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Then down in verse number 8 of Romans chapter 5, it says, But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then in verse 10, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through death. Now, there's a few blessings here as a result of being justified by faith straight out of the text here in Romans chapter number 5. The first thing we see is that we have peace with God. Guys, do you realize apart from Jesus Christ, if we don't trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, Scripture teaches us that our theological position is the fact that we are an enemy of God. In other words, we stand in opposition against Him. In other words, we do not have peace with Him unless... By faith, we know the person of Jesus Christ. Then we are justified. Then, Scripture says, we have peace with God. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to move on. The second thing I want you to see is that we have access to him. We have access through him by faith. By faith in Jesus Christ, we have access to God. So two things already as a result of being justified where we are we have peace with God secondly we have access to God thirdly it says in verse number 2 that we have this hope that we have this hope of the glory of God and i had this conversation this morning with our guests how do people live this life without hope that we have in the lord jesus christ Well, it's pretty obvious. They turn to drugs and sex and alcohol and everything else that the world has to offer to try to put a Band-Aid on the problems that we have. But I'm so thankful that because we are justified, that not only do we have the peace of God, not only do we have access to God, but thirdly, it says that we have the hope. I'm glad I have a blessed hope, aren't you? I'm glad that I don't have to live my life hopeless. I have hope. And that hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. And then also we have love. And we have the love from God the Father. Listen to verse 6. It says that, For while we were still helpless at the appointment, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. Pay attention to that. Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But... God proves his own love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. While we were sinners, Scripture says that, you know what? There's not many people that will die for the ungodly. And there may be a few people that will die for a good person. But Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. That's love, right? And then the last thing, the last blessing in verse number 10 is that, For if you, while we were enemies with God, we were reconciled to God through his death. So another blessing of justification is the whole doctrine of reconciliation. We have been reconciled. And that's something we'll unpack at another time. But I wanted you to see these blessings. And that's what we're going to study together. So thank God 
that through faith in the person of Jesus Christ, we have been justified. And now whenever God looks at me, he looks at John Cannon just as if John Cannon has never sinned. Is that because I'm a good person? Nope. Because I go to church? Nope. Because I'm a preacher, right? Nope. Because I have faith. I have placed my faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, now I and we are justified. There's so many blessings. So that's what we're going to be studying together this week in our D6 Fusion uh, study together. But I want to spend a little time now talking about Brother Eldon. Okay? So we're going to transition now. The rest of my sermon, I'm done. That's my sermon for today. The rest of it's going to be... No. (laughs) Speaking to that microphone so they can hear you. He asked, do I need to get behind the chair? I said, no, you don't need to get behind the chair. I want you to know that sitting to my left, to your right, is a very, very faithful man. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that what he is doing is living out what Scripture says in Titus chapter number 2. That he is living his life as an example for us younger men. Whenever I think about Brother Elder, let me go back. The first time I actually met him, I spoke with him on the phone before I met him. We moved here in March of 1999 to start Victory Church. Uh, You may not know all the history, but there was an existing Free Will Baptist Church that because of military movements and different things, it kind of dwindled down to just a handful of people. And at that particular time also, Eldon was a deacon serving in the Mascuda Free Will Baptist Church, which disbanded, and then we launched Victory Church. He was a deacon at that church. But along that time, what year was it, 98, that you were transferred to Nebraska? In 98, the military transferred him out to Nebraska. Now, he's a weatherman, right? He's our victory weatherman, but he was the weatherman for the Air Force for 40, 41 years. Give him a hand, right? 41 years for the Air Force as a weatherman. So any day you come in here on Sunday and you don't like the weather, he's the guy, right? You go complain to Eldon. As a matter of fact, though, whenever we do have turbulent weather or storms or activity, he's in that office, he's on that computer, he's pulling up radars and charts and all this stuff, and he's letting us know what's going to happen. And sometimes he'll say, Preacher, it's going to start pouring the snow or icing or raining at 1130. Just letting you know, at 11.30, it's going to start. That's my sign to be done. Right? I've learned how to read between the lines. But he is, has served our, our country for 40-plus years. I'm, in, I'm in not the, always that accurate, though. No? Yeah. He's pretty close. How many of you guys, nailed, or Eldon has pretty much nailed it oftentimes when you come to him about weather? Right? You watch TV, and they'll say this and that and the other, and I'll go to Eldon, and this is what they're saying. Oh, no, those guys don't know what they're talking about. This is what's going to happen. And oftentimes, he, he nails it, right? He's missed it a couple of times. But. It's like at your daughter's wedding. Yeah, he missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I called him that morning. We were in a, 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 I don't know, limbo on where to have her wedding, whether outside or inside under the tent. And we were over there talking with them, and all the folks were telling me, no, it's, it's going to be raining. It's got to be in the tent. I said, no, no, no. I've got a, I've got a weatherman. From the United States Air Force that told me that this rain has passed. Well, the rain did pass. It did. It was that heavy mist that kept falling. It was sweat. We, we called it heavy sweat. Heavy sweat. <laughs> so then we did move it inside. But I want to share with you real quickly 
a little bit of Eldon's background. This man has been a faithful supporter, leader, Christian, husband, father, deacon, servant in this church since its conception. Uh, first time I met him, actually, we spoke on the phone, and he said, hey, I'm coming back to the area, and this is right after I moved here. And he said, can we get together and do breakfast? And I said, sure. So then we just made it a habit. Every time that Eldon came back to O'Fallon from Nebraska to visit Terry and, and the family, then we would get together and we would have breakfast. And he would ask, how are things going to victory and this and that and the other. And I would just share with him the progress. But he always told me, he said, Pastor, I support you. He said, there have been a lot of things that have happened, but I support what you're doing. I'm behind you 100%. And he has proven that these almost 20 years now, be 20 years in March uh, for, for me that I've been here and has been a very faithful leader in this church. I want you to see what Scripture has to say about that. I want you to look in Titus. Take your Bibles and turn to Titus chapter number 2. I want you to get this. Titus chapter number 2, verses 1 down through verse number 8. Look what Scripture says. It says, But you must say the things that are consistent with sound teaching. Verse 2. Older men are to be level-headed, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. And then he says in verse number 3, in the same way, older women, and then he gives the list that they are to be the same way. Back in verse number 6 of Titus chapter 2, it says, in the same way, now he's speaking back to the older men of the church, of the fellowship, in verse 6, in the same way, encourage the young men. Now this is the responsibility and the role of of the older men in verse 6. He says, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. I don't know. Just stop right there. Let that sink in. Make yourself an example of good works. Whenever I think back about Eldon's life, he's lived this verse to all you young men that are in here today scripture says that you are to learn from these older men watch their life pay attention to how they're living in verse number seven make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching brother eldon's done that i have watched him I have served alongside of him. We've been in a lot of different discussions and meetings as we have progressed in the ministry of this church. And he lives out verse number seven. He's made himself an example of good works. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of dignity in his teaching and in his lifestyle. He says in verse eight, it says, your message is to be sound beyond reproach. Eldon's message and teaching and doctrine and counsel and words that he has shared with me and with many of you fulfills this verse of Scripture. His words have been sound beyond reproach. That the opponent will be ashamed having nothing bad to say about us. I don't know of anything bad to say about Eldon, right? He's been a faithful servant of the Lord. 
And then in verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. Friends, we're blessed to have a man in our church, 80 years old, this Friday, that has fulfilled the scripture that I have read to you of what the role of old men in the church are to live out, teaching the younger men in the church by example, by sound doctrine, with integrity, and with dignity. Those aren't my words. That's scripture. We're blessed. Are we not? We are blessed to have a man like Eldon Schmidt as a leader in our church. Right, church? Give him a hand, right? He has lived this out. So what I want to do, I want to, by the way, this is the picture that my wife and I get just about every Sunday morning when we pull in. He and Barbara are one of the first ones always here, and he watches for us, except for... Except for this morning. Except for this morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what he's doing this morning, though? We got here a little bit earlier than what we usually do. He was unlocking those front doors. So uh, that's why he misses. But right there is what my wife and I drive up to every single Sunday morning. And it's an image that I'll always have of Brother Eldon. He greets us at that door. And I'm sure he probably greets you the same way. Does he not? When you walk in that door, you always have a good morning, a handshake, a smile, a wave from Brother Eldon. And so... He is a servant leader. Now, we've got some or pictures up here that will be scrolling uh, as, we, as we talk here. But I wanted to, as Scripture says, the older men are to teach the younger men. Eldon, I want you to speak here a little bit. And I know he, he had no clue I was going to do this today. None. Zero preparation, right? Zero preparation. <laughs> but I'm better off when I do that because I don't talk so long. <laughs> you know, as, as a young man, I know... As a, well, I still think I'm young. I'm 53. I'm getting old, right? Oh, I'm young. <laughs> but when, especially when I was younger, raising. Do you have something? I said I can't remember that long since I was 53. <laughs> but especially when I was a young dad, just raising our kids, there was there were like three or four areas in my life that I was always focused on and concerned about. And so, Eldon, I want you to speak into those and kind of the areas that I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, just as I've lived this life of being a young man and now an older man, not the oldest, but older man. And some of the areas as, as a father, as a husband, as a man that I focus on, that I'm concerned about, that I pay attention to, I just wanted to get Eldon's advice from. So for myself, I think about, first of all, my personal relationship with the Lord. And then I think about my role as a husband. Then I think about my role as a father. My soon-to-be role as a grandfather. Did I tell you guys I'm going to be a grandpa? <laughs> Eldon, obviously, you'll see some of the pictures here. One of the biggest smiles on his face is when he has his family and his grandkids around him. So role of that. But also your role in your career. You know, our, our careers are important to us, right, guys, and, and what we do. And so how do you balance all of that? So, Eldon, I want to ask you, let's, let's first of all talk about just you as a person. Okay, not your role as a husband or a father, not your career, not a granddad, but just you as a man for to be 80 years old. And by the way, when was it that your father passed away? Uh, Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. I remember going up there yeah. and I preached his funeral. Yeah. You remember who I spoke about? 
Enoch, right. That's yeah. a good memory for 80 years old, right? Yeah, I remember. Surprised I can remember that far back. Well, yeah, I, pro- I won't put you on the spot like that okay. anymore, okay? But what, was, what, was, what do we know about Enoch in Scripture? He was a man who did what? Walked with God, right? He walked with God. And I just unpacked Enoch and your dad. But, Eldon, you, you're right there. You, have, you are a man who has walked with God. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect. None of us are. I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but you've walked with the Lord. So soon to be 80 years old this Friday, share with the young men, and everybody can benefit from this, how have you been able to grow in your relationship and walk with the Lord all these years without absolutely turning your back and falling? Well, I, th- I think a lot of that had to do with the, our parents, my parents, who were godly people and took us to church every Sunday. And I was saved in the Methodist church when I was about 10 years old, and I full, full well remember that. What a change in my life that took place. But I didn't always live for our Lord. But Lord always came back and, and said, come on, pay attention. You know, sometimes he had to stomp pretty hard to pay attention. But And then also my wife's family and and the, the testimony of, of my father-in-law and mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, who's still alive at 94 in Chian. And, uh, and then, of course, this group, I mean, they mean so much to me. And I'm so, so thankful for the fact that Terry's here with us and we can bug her and her son and uh, her husband and my son-in-law because he comes over and does things for us when, when we can't do them. Some things I can't do anymore. And so I, I'm thankful for them, and I'm thankful for my son and daughter-in-law and grandchildren. They live in Houston, too far away, but that was not my choice. And but but we've had Christian people around us our whole life, you know. And when we came to the Muscoota Church, it was a church of about 20 or 30 people, and had a uh, a pastor that was bivocational and had to preach part time and and work part-time they were always good examples for us and and we we got where we've got i think we got where we are by by our parents but we got we stayed where we are because of the church family we had and i'm thankful for each one of you i i told barbara i was sick a couple of sundays ago and about three three weeks i had to miss because i had a terrible cough and cold and you didn't like me coughing on you but and I had to miss, and I told Barbara when she came home, I said, I feel like I have, this week has not been faithful, or I had not been complete, because we, I didn't get to go, ch- go to church and fellowship with my brothers and sisters. But so I'm glad to be here today, and I'm thankful for all of you, and all the blessings that you give. I'm thankful for Brother Earl, because I've known you how long, Earl? Probably, what, 30, 40 years, 50 years, maybe. And... He he was a part of our church at Mascuda before when we came there, and I'm thankful for the testimony that he had, and his wife Mary Lou, who was good friends of ours, and we we are, we're thankful for people like that who who were such a such a big part of our our family, but always encouraging encouraging us to stay faithful to the Lord. So the theme that I'm hearing about your faith and why it's so strong today and how over these 80 years you've been a man that walked with God is talking what I'm hearing from you is family, 
church family and family that you have around you that you're fellowshipping with and growing with and they're influencing you and you're influencing them and there's accountability there and there's you know so so let me say that to me i think that's a that's an important reason why we all should be identified with a local church now let me ask you a question trick question be careful i answer it can you get to heaven without getting your name on a church role membership yes yes you can right but however though are you going to be able to live out your christian faith to its fullest without being identified to a local church family i don't think you can right and if you want to be 80 years old one day and be a man or woman who has walked with god you got to be careful with those people that you surround yourself with right and the church family is very important all right let's talk about your role how long have you guys been married 50 50 about almost 51 huh Almost 52. 52. Yeah. Yeah. See, I forgot already. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 52. Say, I'm sorry, honey. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how do you stay married for 50 some years? But I think I already know the answer. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's think about 50 some odd years. You guys, you met Barbara where? In Blytheville, Arkansas. What were you doing in Arkansas? Because you're not, you're from Quincy, Illinois. Yeah, but I was a weather, a meteorologist for the Air Force in, in Blytheville. I forecast weather for B-52s and okay, and that 130. Wasn't, go ahead, I'm sorry. And 135s and spent my time down there learning how to be a weatherman. Okay. Yeah. And I met her through friends of ours who uh, introduced us. And I found out she was a Christian girl. And I thought, you know, what can be better than this, you know? So I, I convinced her to marry me. You know, and, and the funny thing was... Her father did not agree with that very much because he was from, he was an Arkansas farmer. And when she started going out with me, she said, he said, what are you going with a, with a military guy for? You know, those guys have got a terrible reputation. And she said, well, I'm not going to marry him. And, you know, (laughs) so see how that happened. But, but we, we were, we met Arkansas, so. Now, I've been down there to Barbara's family yep. and down in Arkansas for different reasons. I've been there. And I remember standing out in a, in a cornfield or somewhere we were standing. You pointed out a railroad track. Yeah. What was significant about that railroad track? Well, the, when I enlisted in the Air Force in uh, 60, 62, 62, yeah, and I, we, went to, uh, we went from St. Louis to uh, – San Antonio to basic training. The train we rode from St. Louis to to uh, San Antonio went right through her her family's backyard. Almost, almost you could almost reach out and touch the train from their their house. And little did I realize that a few years later I was going to marry a girl that lived on that farm. You know, we went through on a on a train. But that's 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 uh, that's a story about. Uh, traveling. I remember you telling me that story at that train track, and he was saying, look at that train track yeah. out there, and he shared that story with me, so I thought that was good yeah. to share. So he takes this girl out of Arkansas and travels all across the country. Now, right after you got married, though, you left the country, right? No, I, I left. I went to Vietnam before we got before married. Before you got married. Yeah, we, we decided that it was not good to start a marriage off with me off in a war place, so, so we decided to hold up on the marriage. Until after I came back, I didn't know whether she'd still be there or whether she would care if I come back or not. But I took I took a chance. 
I took a chance that she was going to stay faithful to me. And, you know, and so I'm glad about that. Because, because we, 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 uh, we communicated by letter. Now, from Vietnam. Well, hold on a minute. You're going to have to unpack that a little bit. How did you communicate? By letter. We didn't have uh, Twitter or, or, or cell phones or nothing like that. fact is, I was stationed at Da Nang or Nha Trang in Vietnam, and they barely had uh, phone numbers to be able to, uh, phones that were reliable to even call Saigon. So when, when, when I would get a letter from her, sometimes it would be uh, sometimes a month between times she wrote it and I got it back. And so then I would write back and it would be about a month before she'd get it. So there's a lot of time passed to teach each, between each one of those letters. But I do remember that, of course, she had no idea what Vietnam was like, and I didn't either before I got there. So she would ask me questions about about what's Vietnam like. And I, so one day she asked me, she said, do they have elephants there? And I said, yeah, they have elephants there. And I've got my own elephant. I ride around to, I ride around to work. And so she said, so she said, well, tell me something about your elephant. And I said, well, and of course, I don't know how much of this she believed before, but, <laughs> but, but when I told her about my elephant, I said I had to paint my elephant's toenails pink this week. <laughs> Then she knew I was shooting a bunch of baloney at her, but but you know it was it was it was a time when we had to be apart, but our love stayed faithful during that time. And then she wrote me a letter one day, and in, in when I was still in Vietnam, and she said, "I'm going to get married," and I thought, I, you know, the dear John letters at servicemen. I thought, oh no, not this, you know. And she said, "But I'm going to get married to you." And I said, "Well, yay!" Woo! Yeah, <laughs> kudos, Barbara. Good job. Pretty so, good decision, right? So, what's the, what's the secret of being married 52 years? Well, you, listen now. Think about your role as an older guy talking to these young guys. Been married for a few years, three to five, one, ten. How do you get to 50 plus? Well. I think God's got to be the center of your of your marriage. God's the one who kept our marriage together. Not that we had difficulties, but but we was we always were able to turn to the Lord when when times were trouble. And I had a severe illness several years ago. She took care of me just like you know, like I was a a, a baby or like an invalid, like I almost was. And but it was always always that God come first in our marriage. And, you know, we have devotions every, every morning, and we pray every day. And, and I really encourage you, of you younger families, that, you know, some of you got a whole bunch of kids, a lot more kids than I have, but that's good. But, but God's got to be the center of that. If God's not the center of that, it's very hard to keep, keep track. And you've got to be faithful to each other, you know. And, and we can't, you know, there's, there's all kinds of temptations in the world around us. And I think of the temptations that my kids face, that my grandkids are going to face someday. And I think, I don't know if I could have, could have done that, you know, if that had happened now, or if that had happened when, when that, if society was the way it is uh, when we were young married. 
it would have been such a such a challenge. But you know, as long as, we, as long as we keep God as the center, and we have a church family to go go to each Sunday and and get assurance that God is still there and God's going to be a part of our marriage, then it works out. Amen. Two things I'm pulling out of this. I hope you're getting it. Number one, when I asked him about his personal relationship, all these years walking with God, he talked about the influence around him, family and friends, Christian family and Christian friends, and his church family. When I talked to him about his relationship with Barbara and sustaining that for 50-plus years and having a vibrant marriage, what did he tell us? God first, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I think those those things are important. Now, real quickly, and I won't try to be too much longer here, but I got a couple more questions that are just running through my mind. You got to be careful now. You know, I'll get started. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys enjoying this? I mean, not too often we get this, right? I think as a as a dad, as a as a young dad raising my kids, and now a little bit older dad, and my kids are adults now and married, and. Uh, but I want my kids to turn out right. I wanted them to be Christian kids growing up to be Christian mm-hmm. young adults, to be Christian adults making an impact and influence for Christ in their adult life. Obviously, that's happened with you. Terry, if, if you guys don't know, has been very much... Like stand actually, up, Terry, so everybody... Stand up, Miss Terry, right lot, now, so everybody can see you. A lot of the people don't yeah. realize... <laughs> a lot of the people that don't, re, don't realize this girl plays the piano is my daughter. Yeah, she, so, we so started our, go ahead. I was going to say, so nobody around here now can be surprised anymore when I, when I tell you my daughter plays the piano. Yeah, so from the very first Sunday, March of 1999, Terry's been tickling the ivory on the pianos, and she's been doing it ever since. Extremely faithful, solid Christian lady. Whenever I think about David, solid Christian man, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but David was very instrumental. He was going to... Rala, University of Missouri in yeah. Rala, right? Uh, what, hey, what do you say there? There's a nickname for that. Uh, UMR. UMR? Yeah. UMR. University yeah. of Missouri at Rala. And yeah. Rala is where he was going when we came here, yeah. and that's about a two-hour drive yeah. from there. But he drove up every weekend, very much involved in helping us get this church launched and started. So to have two Christian Children that are now Christian adults that are impacting, influencing culture around them today for Christ. How do, how do you do that? How do you raise these children to be Christian children and Christian adults? Well, you can't make it happen. You can't have make it happen. But you can introduce them to the Word of God and, and, and live that life so that they, they learn that. You know, we didn't get them saved. They, they, Jesus got them saved. I remember when Terry got saved, we said... Her and I was sitting in a in a lanai in in Hawaii, which is like a porch. That's what they called them out there. And we're sitting in there, and I don't remember what we were talking about. And she said, "Excuse me a minute, Dad." And she ran down the hall and got in the closet. And I said, "What did you what, what did you have to go go get in the closet for?" She said, "I needed to pray. I think I needed to get saved." I thought, "Holy cow!" You know, somebody somebody had told taught her though that. You know, you need to get in your prayer closet. And, and so she, she, she went and got in the closet. And, and my son, same way. You know, I, I don't remember the exact example, but he was still at home. And, and, uh, and he married a Christian wife. And, and uh, he's, a, he's a strong worker in their church on Southern Baptist, but we'll forgive that. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. But, but he's, he's a, He's a chemical engineer for Exxon, and, 
And I keep telling him, you know, if you're working for Exxon, you know, give me a break on gas prices. But he's never done that, so I don't know if I, I don't know if I raised him right or not because he never gets any gate. But but he's a strong strong Christian man. His daughter, he's the older one, the one that see it's on your, on, well I don't know what it's on, on your left, yeah. She's she's become a Christian, and the younger one is getting about to that age where she understands what's going on, but. We're so blessed to have them, our family, and, and Katie, our daughter-in-law, who, interestingly enough, her dad was a meteorologist, too, in the Air Force. And we had never met until the kids kids met. And uh, and we were we, we even worked in the same building at time for time. And I didn't know, I didn't know her dad from anybody, you know. And so, but they are a Christian family as well. And so it's a good influence. Of course, our Sunday was up here a few a few minutes ago. Don't wonder if you forget this guy that runs around and does the or does the announcements in the morning. It's my son-in-law, and I'm very proud of him too, because because he he has become a strong Christian man, and I'm I'm proud of him. So we're proud of our family, but but it all happened because God took a took an interest in in all of those people, and. And not something we did. We 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 allowed them to be introduced to the Christian faith, and allowed them to see what being a Christian was like. But we couldn't. We didn't get them saved. We didn't get them saved because they went to church, but they got saved because Christ would come a part of their life. And so we're for eternally thankful for that. Awesome. Okay, I got two more questions, and we'll be done. Okay. Um, the last question deals with the area of your career. How do you balance being a Christian man, a Christian husband, a Christian father, and your career? How do you balance all of that? Well, that was hard in the military, and and Ryan is here, and and several other Christian or officers in this in this church. But but it's it was a difficult time. Sometimes we had to had to you know we the we couldn't do what the boss said because. It was not what what God would want me to do, and I had to had to say no to that. And and sometimes, you know, that maybe a, maybe hindered my career, but I was not going to change that. I was strong to that, and and we Barbara and I agreed a long time ago. It wasn't wasn't my career that was the most important thing in our life. Our our life was the most important thing was staying faithful to our Christians. And we had a lot of friends, and, and and we had a lot of Christian friends in our in our military life, so that helped, you know. But but it was a challenge. I like that where the career wasn't the most important thing in your no, life. No. It's your faith, yeah. living living for the Lord. So that's good. You got a question? I'll take one from the audience. You guys got anything? Anybody you got ask? a question? Yeah. All right. I'll give you the wrong answer, even if it's right. All right, if, if not, if not, I have one more question, and we're going to be dismissed here. So thank you for staying with us this morning. I know back, when was it that you got sick? What year was it? Uh, I remember the time. I can't remember the year. 2006. 2006. Yeah. Now, prior to that, uh, Eldon getting sick, he's very much involved in our church. As soon as he retired, boom, he's been in the church office every day, every week, ever since he retired, working uh, at that time, also, I believe Barbara was the church secretary, I yep. think, at the time yep. there, yep. Uh, right when you got sick. And then you got sick. Tell us, um, without, I guess, and I guess I've never really asked you this, what are, what's, 
something you learned through all of that or what's an experience that you would want to share to encourage the church family through all of that because I know that was a I remember coming to one Sunday morning. Yeah. I, I came, went to the hospital before I came to church yeah. and visited with you. And we had a good heart-to-heart discussion yeah. on that Sunday morning. And thank the Lord you got, you got better. Got better, yeah. And, um, but yeah. let's unpack that just briefly and, and well, maybe share an experience I got, you learned. I got sick from a shot that I took. I rebelled. My, my brain rebelled. What little there is there. I rebelled to the shot, and and I got some lesions on my brain, and I had to go. I was in the hospital for weeks because they couldn't figure out what it was. But all during that time, you know, it was like God was always with me. I remember being in the bed one night, and and I was kind of goofy, so I didn't really know what was going on. But I realized because one doctor kept saying you got brain you're, you've got cancer and it's metastasized to your brain and I wasn't I wasn't aware, aware of what was going on well enough to know what was going on but of course my wife did because she had lived through this harder on her than it was on me but I remember laying in bed and it was just like a, a speaker in the ceiling said Eldon it's going to be all right and I said you know and I, I realized it wasn't audible but it's just like God said to me it's going to be all right, and I, I kind of like I kind of like went. I don't think so, you know, because it they at one time they didn't think I was going to live, and uh, but 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 that that always reminded me, you know, I always went back to that sound or that vision I had of somebody talking to me from the ceiling, said it's going to be all right, and I I you know and I thought well. If God says it's going to be all right, then it must be going to be all right. And I went through about six months of really living in in total total problems. I, I was I had have to take anxiety medicine because because my brain is was so screwed up at that time I didn't know what was going on. And but God saw us through that, and much to the much to the surprise of the doctors, and several doctors have told me that. If, if that this this disease happens about one out of over a hundred thousand people, so it was kind of a, against the odds. But one doctor told me that I was fortunate that I didn't die during that. Another one doctor told me that if this lesion had formed just a, a few centimeters away, I'd have gone blind. But all that happened, you know. And and I learned I learned during that time better than ever. I think in my whole life that we got to trust God and the doctors are not going to give me well and I'm not going to give me well, but God can give me well and it happens. So, and I'm not, I'm not like a, we used to play golf. He and I used to play golf at least once a week and we'd go around these courses and we'd walk 18 holes. I couldn't walk one hole now, but, but you know, we, we played golf a lot and enjoyed that. But but I realized that during that time that I was not going to make it by myself. It was not going to be me that was going to survive 80 years or 60 years. But but uh, but with God with me, I was going to be able to make it. And and God, I I still believe to this day. You know, I didn't expect to get to 80. In those days, I thought if I get to six, if I get to 70, it'll be a surprise. But but God has been with me, and I encourage you all 
no matter how difficult times have been, no matter how difficult times are with your with your family or with your marriage or with your finances, whatever you're involved with, turn it over to the Lord first. Don't try to solve that problem by yourself because we don't have the power to do that, but God has the power to do that. And if we're faithful to him. And there was a lot of things. I drew, I drew very much closer to the Lord during that time of sickness because I realized that I couldn't control this anymore. And, and the temptations that I had, I still had, still have those today. But, but I realized that no matter what the temptation is, what the difficulty is, uh, I need to talk to the Lord. And I'm not perfect. I, I, I don't, as he said a while ago, I don't want you to think I'm, that I'm some, some prince or some, some prophet because I'm not, I, I have made many mistakes in life and I, and I, I'm sorry for all those. And I sometimes have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, are you still going to forgive me for that, that problem again? Because, you know, sometimes I'll just hang on and, and, uh, and you know, the, the temptation is always the temptation to sin is always there, folks. Don't forget that the temptation to sin is always going to be. As long as the devil's around, you're going to have that temptation to sin. But with God with us, and 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 you know, I teach a Bible class, and and Dan and Catherine know about that. I sometimes teach things that maybe are hard to hear, but I enjoy teaching. I've taught Bible for about 50 years now uh, in either small group or Sunday school class. I enjoy teaching. Sometimes I, sometimes they'll tell you my teaching don't make much sense, but but I enjoy doing that, and I and I hope we'll always be able to do that. Amen. Well, I thank the Lord for touching you and healing you. Give him a hand for where he is. He had a major, major recovery. I want to close with the scripture I started with, and we'll be done. Eldon, I just want to say thank you for living out this passage. Titus chapter 2, verse 2 says, Older men are to be level-headed, worthy of respect, sensible, sound in faith, love, and endurance. I think you fulfill everything in verse you number said, 2. You said level-headed. I don't know if I can do that one or not. But I'll try to do that one. In, in the years we, he's been here, I've been faithful to work with him. And, I, and he and I have not always agreed... And we've had we've had discussions, not arguments. We've had discussions about things, and I haven't always agreed with him. But I told him when he came here, I said, "I think God sent you here, and who am I to tell God that He made a mistake?" And I don't believe God makes mistakes. But sending this man, and his wife, and his kids here, and I, we love them, thankful for them. I want you to thank. One more verse I want to read, verse 6 and 7. Eldon, this sums you up. In the same way, talking about to the older men, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Then he's making reference to the older men. He says, make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. And I just want to say thank you for being that man. Amen. All right, guys. I want to pray over Eldon. Then I want you to stay and celebrate with us. And um, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this man. Thank you for what scripture teaches. And you give us the guidelines and the map for our life and how we are to live it out. 
And Lord, I just pray that you help us to learn and glean from the words of Eldon today that are really your words of what you teach. Thank you for a man that's walked with you, that's lived for you, that has an amazing family that's living for you. Thank you for his military career, for keeping him safe. Thank you for healing him from the sickness that he had that we thought we were going to lose him in. And thank you, Lord, that he's still part of our Victory Church family, leading us and faithful every Sunday. And I just pray that the young families here would look up to this man and say, I want to be like him. As he follows Jesus, I want to be that same man one day that's following Jesus and impacting my family for the cause of Christ. Bless Eldon. Thank you for 80 years you've given him. Bless his family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give Eldon another hand. He had no idea we were going to be doing this for him today. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.